You're listening to The Private Citizen, your weekly data privacy and occasional politics podcast. This is episode 25 for Wednesday, the 17th of June, 2020. Launch of the German contact tracing app. Howdy, y'all. How are you doing? I'm Fab, coming to you from the no man's land between Germany and Denmark. I'm recording this outside, as you might hear. You might hear birds and other animals uh, on a farm. I'm looking on a field, and in the distance there are um, wind power power turbines, whatever the things are called, slowly, slowly turning. Um, how do you do? Um, nice to have you on board. Yeah, it's summer. I thought I'll record an episode outside. Today we're going to talk about the German contact tracing app that I've I've uh, reported on on this show quite a lot. It's been launched. Uh, it was launched yesterday. Um, I was actually on TV uh, yesterday talking about it. I was uh, on the radio earlier today, and um, I've I've written about it so much over the last uh, few weeks that uh, I decided I'd have to have some holiday. And I'm, I'm visiting some friends in the countryside, as you, as you can hear. Um, yeah, but it's Wednesday, so I'll, I'll bring you a podcast. I'll hope I get it out. It, currently, it's like uh, the middle of the day. It's very warm. I'm recording this in my um, in my van, uh, mobile podcasting studio. Although I've got it, you know, I'm, I'm got the got the door open. I'm basically outside, um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hope I'll get this out to you during the day because the internet uh, here is uh, pretty much non-existent, and it might take me about eight hours to upload the show. I don't know. We'll see. Um, it's all a bit, uh, it's all a bit interesting, but nice, you know. You got a pool, um, so yeah. Uh, so what are we going to talk about? We're going today. We're going to talk about the app, uh, how it was launched. Uh, I had some investigations last week into uh, how it was tested and stuff like that. I want to talk about that, and then I just want to talk about some basic um, stuff. Sorry for, but it's all a bit touch and go here. <laughs> um, we're talk about a bit. Of, basics of the app. I mean, we talked a lot about it, but like it's just some basic questions and, and stuff I want to talk about. Uh, I wrote a very in-depth F, uh, FAQ article about this uh, for Heiser Online and that, you know, took a lot of research. So I thought I might as well give you some of this information as well. Um, I mean, even if you're not, you know, obviously a lot of you are not from Germany. Uh, so the this app, which is only available in Germany, will not concern you, but uh, it's a, it's it's one of the first launched with this uh, Apple Google API, and it's also um, Germany being quite quite a big country uh, as far as Europe is concerned. This is one of the biggest launches of this kind in the world. And now our government has said it might not be the first app, but it's certainly the best one. So we'll look at that. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit, and then uh, there's some feedback as usual, and yeah, that's it for today. Uh, so settle, settle in. Got myself a coffee. It's still early in the day, so I thought I'd oh, rather coffee than beer. Um, and let's talk about this app. So I wrote a story. Well, I have to adjust this microphone a little bit. You'll hear that, but I can't change that. Um, it's all, you know. I'm, I'm still prototyping this uh, this mobile outdoor studio I'm doing here. Um, so um I I wrote a story so I had I had researching this app I mean I I I talked about on the show we talked about how the contact tracing uh, API works from Apple and Google uh, I looked into that and then of course a little bit about the source code of the German app you know you could see that it was obviously being developed on GitHub there was um, a lot of interaction happening there 
But throughout this, I you know, I was writing various stories and I had a lot of trouble. Well, not a lot of trouble, but I had trouble to talk to people and get information. Um, I complained about this earlier, probably also on the show, um, when I was uh, talking about PEPPT. You know, I, I talked about it with uh, Tante Jürgen Goiter and then I had some um, insights. Basically, somebody get, sent me one of their technical documents and from, from that time on, um, I t- tried to get detailed technical um you know technical information on how how this app is is implemented um, and obviously you could get that from the apple and google api they published all of that but you know all the stuff around that so basically um the german app is a um i mean several parts it's, it's it doesn't do the actual contact tracing because that obviously is in the operating system whatever you're using android or ios and it doesn't do that, but it has it has a user interface. Of course, it needs to you know the user needs to uh, can turn that on, can turn it off. Uh, the the warn messages if you actually if the app thinks you've been had contact with an infected person, and there's of course the part where you upload uh, you know where you where you verify test results and upload that um, you know your. Uh, basically your infection keys to the to the server and we talked about that i talked about that on the show hall you know that that's another part of the app all the server infrastructure and all that so i i want to get information that of, of course you can get github you know you can look on github but i also also wanted to talk to people um it was quite easy to actually talk to the developers i talked to some of the developers it's kind of hard uh, it's kind of easy to get hold of them of course it's all github and stuff like that uh, but I did have problems to get people to tell me stuff on the record. And um, so last week I uh, got a contact from the uh, the TÜV, TÜV IT. So TÜV in Germany is the um, Technische Überprüfungsverein um, and they test, uh, you know, they're kind of like our MOT um, and they, they, they're famous for, you know, uh, doing the car car stuff you know every two years you have to go there and check that your car is still roadworthy basically doing that and then they branched out over the time they do all all kinds of stuff they test all kinds of stuff like iso compliance and you know german industry uh standards like din compliance um they do all of that and obviously they also do it and computer stuff i think since even 95 or something so they have this tough it thing and the hand of that um was was you know sent me like a thing where you know a press contact thing and i contacted him and talked to him and that was that was quite cool because he was quite frank and told me a lot of things um and then i wrote a story on that which you know due to me trying to contact some other people and getting some other information was delayed quite a lot then we had like this kind of bridge day in germany where there was a holiday and stuff like that and uh, (laughs) so it came out a bit later than people expected and there was some he told me some information that would later on um there were some updates but which i didn't know about because he didn't tell me about it and stuff like that so there was a bit of a shit storm and um they actually did a press uh, release and um i wrote a i wrote a second story about that but i found it really interesting what he talked about because interestingly so what i had written about is um they found a um i would say you could say a security vulnerability in the tan generation um, the app was using so that is if you if you get a positive test um, then either the lab or the doc your doctor um, gives you can either give you like a QR code or there's like a service with a hotline where you can call in and they give you a, a 10 
and you can um, basically you, you use that when you when you tell the app, "Hey, I've been infected." I'm sorry, moving the microphone again. Um, you can you can you know you can tell the app I've been infected, and then it verifies that you actually have the positive test. So you can't flood the system with like these false positive things. Um, and there there were some problems with the um, algorithm, and you know I didn't I at the time I wrote my first story I didn't know if they had fixed it because some other people weren't telling me if they had actually fixed it and it wasn't at the source code at the time and that was kind of what the outrage well I like not outrage but like some people were confused by the by the story and by that and if it was fixed and I actually found this quite interesting because I hadn't um, maybe I'm you know you see, don't see the forest for all of the trees um, I didn't actually find that tan thing so interesting um, I called it a vulnerability because that's what it is uh even though you know people hear vulnerability and they think oh it's so bad you know it's always it's it's that's always sounds like ah oh, you can take over the whole system whatever um but i i didn't i didn't thought it was that bad and also the problem is i couldn't write that it had been fixed but i said it's probably going to be fixed um and it was fixed of course um that wasn't even the interesting thing but that was what everybody um everybody um concentrated on and then they put out the, the the press agency you know deutsche press again to a dpa they talked to uh somebody got this guy i talked to from tiff to talk to the dpa and put out a message that basically said everything is fine this app is secure and stable um which is kind of weird they didn't really say that they said they think it's secure and stable um, because i think my story sounded to them too negative even though i wasn't negative i was very positive about how the how they tested it how tiff tested it for basically no money um how all the developers work together how it's like open source i'm i'm very impressed by how this all worked because i mean you got to you got to imagine this is the first time the german government says we want an app and we want the app open source and at this scale, and you know, then the developers maybe have five to six weeks uh, to write this app, and then they did testing. So the whole thing is um, is quite quite impressive how they did it. So I, I really I thought I wasn't negative, but I think everybody else read it that way. That's sometimes you know if you write stories, that's sometimes how it, how it happens. Um, you don't want it to happen, but sometimes it just does. But what the guy told me, what I found more interesting, and which maybe this is also why they put out a press release. Interestingly, like people said, oh, you need to correct your story. I mean, this is how things work, right? This is the problem with modern journalism. People only read headlines. They don't read your stories fully. They don't read the other stories fully. So DPA put out this, this uh, press release and then, um, or, you know, a message. Oh, sorry. I just got a dog just ran past. Findus, uh, the local dog here, just ran past my podcasting studio, which startled me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, this is what happens when you do things in nature. Um, anyway, so they um, they gave what they said didn't contradict my story, which was interesting. Um, but people read it that way because people don't really read stuff and they don't analyze. They were like, "You need to correct your story," and I was like, "No, because you read it." Like basically, what they did was put up a smoke screen where they said everything is fine, but they didn't re, you know, they didn't address any of the things I said that might be problematic. Um, I mean, they did say the tan thing was fixed, and I wrote that in my second story. But you know, with the other stuff, what I found even more interesting about this story, I haven't. Sorry, I'm just like meandering around. So 
I've, I didn't even found the tan vulnerability interesting at all. I mean, that was that was found, that was fixed, and we have to talk about that because it's actually good. That means that the pen testing or the security testing, I mean, most of the, te- they didn't really do pen testing. Most of the stuff TIFF does do was privacy testing, and that was all, all fine as well. Like, there were no issues with that. We can talk about that a little bit uh, later. But um, that was all fine, so all positive. But what the guy from TIFF said, so originally... They had already offered when the whole PEPPT thing went down, um, when people, st- when the government still thought we we're going to use PEPPT, and I thought that, and I was reporting on that. They had actually offered. So the the Bundesamt für Sicherheit in der Informationstechnik, the BSI, does the um, is responsible for the security, and they kind of outsource pen testing and stuff like that because they don't have enough people to do this, I guess. Um, so the TÜV had offered them when the PEPPT thing was still going around that they would do a security test. And I think for some reason BSI said no. And when this, when they said, okay, now when the government said, now we're going to have SAP and Telecom develop this app a bit later, then TÜV went there again and said, we, we will test it and you don't really have to pay us money. And then they said yes. So And TÜV said, okay, we want to test this app for four weeks, four weeks. And um, the government said no, one week. And I think the TÜV people got them to extend it to two weeks. So in the end, it was tested for two weeks. And when the TÜV guy was talking to me, he was very, I mean, the very much the gist that I got from talking to him, we were very candid, uh, was all on the record, which was great. He was the only guy ever who was like completely on the record with me on this thing. Um, I think there were lots of NDAs swirling around, which I don't understand. Like this is a publicly i mean this app is massively important for everybody i mean they launched it now they want everybody in the country to install it it's open source the code is code is out there anyway why can't people talk about the development freely i mean i think they have done now people have actually talked on radio and on tv when it was launched but like why can't they do it before i mean they was saying we need to be transparent so that people trust us and trust the app but they weren't i mean they weren't not transparent but they weren't really as forthcoming as you think you'd be um, which which I found a bit weird. But anyway, so the TÜV guy was talking to me very frankly, and he basically said, I mean, more testing is better. And that's what I think as well. I mean, we're talking about an app that was developed in probably five weeks. I don't know completely, uh, but it's like about five weeks. And they did two weeks of testing. And the testing was while it was still being developed. And when they started testing, they didn't even have... The, so they were doing a lot of the testing they were doing with privacy stuff, right? Are there any trackers in there? Does this thing actually talk to any other servers? They actually didn't test the server software. Um, the TAN bug, which is you know the TAN generation algorithm thing, which was in the server stuff, they only tested because, of course, it was also in the app. So if you test the app and you find this in the app, and then you fi- figure out, well, it's actually a problem on the server, you still, like, report it, even though your test mandate is only for the, you know, the, the smartphone code, let's put it that way. Um, but that that was the only thing they tested. They tested a lot of that on privacy, and, like, you know, also, like, you know, uh, the um, GDPR compliance, right? And you have to have, like, the text that it, like, you have to know what it tells the user what happens with the data and they for, for example the first week they tested they didn't have that because the text wasn't there and the app kept changing and he was like you know this is kind of kind of hard to do and i completely understood it and that you know i, I completely i was with him with that i mean and what i found really bad was the um, actual communication afterwards when i wrote my story and they pushed out this uh, press release on saturday and they basically said look 
this thing is stable and secure, or we think it's stable and secure. Yeah, sure, you can say that, but you've tested it for two weeks. And anybody who knows anything about IT security knows, you know, you can only say an app, well, you can't re never say an app secure. Like, nobody, I will never write that in the story. I will never write this app secure, even if I do, like, a software review, because you don't know. You know, you might you might test everything, you might do pen test everything, and then next day you find a bug, a huge bug that nobody has ever seen or never looked at, right? This is, happens all the time. I mean, we find bugs in the Linux kernel from 20 years ago. Um, so you can't say software is secure. There's always bugs in there. You can say you think it's secure, but if you've only tested it for two weeks, you know, that kind of qualifies that. And, um, and my big criticism here, which I, you know... Um, when I'm writing about this, um, I'm trying to be as objective as possible, and I try to be um, understated because I have very, you know, there's like let's say normal people in quotes reading this who don't know, you know, as much about privacy and maybe IT security or just tech in general as as you guys do, as anybody who'd listen to the show would. Um, so I, you know, I try to be um, to to keep that in mind, right? You don't want to be too critical because. I mean, techie people would understand where you're coming from, but a normal person is, oh, tested too short, it's not secure. Um, but, like, my criticism that I didn't really kind of wrote into stories, but, which you know, I mean, this is one of the reasons I do this podcast, so I can talk to you about this kind of stuff, um, is that this was all done because the German government, the uh, health ministry said, we're, we're launching this Tuesday, like Tuesday the 16th, we're launching there. And they did that without, obviously, without asking the experts. Because you would have thought that if you have, like, if you hire, okay, it's another government office, but, you know, it's the government. The government hires a external um, organization, company like TÜV IT, to look at the code and make sure it's good. And they say, we need four weeks. You give them four weeks. Who cares if the app's out this week or in two weeks? Nobody fucking cares. We got... Like yesterday, uh, we had like 200 or the day before, we had uh, under 300 new cases in Germany. Like five in Hamburg. I mean, if I install the app now and if I walk around Hamburg, of course, yeah, let's say a lot of people installing the app and a lot of people are. Like if you look on Twitter, virtue signaling yesterday morning was in full effect. Everybody's like, I got the app. I got the app screenshot. Um, but, you know, that doesn't really matter because you, you walk around everybody exchanges these ideas but as as long as nobody who's infected actually i mean who will later get infected uh uses the app and then you will have no positive results right and if you have five new infected people in hamburg and we're talking about the um the federal state so let me look at this. sorry i didn't prepare this because it's off the cuff everything in the show uh let's see what the how big the uh the um population of the federal state of Hamburg is. The internet is very slow. Bear with me. Now that is, is that the city? I don't want this wait, you know, have, let's look. So the population of the metro area is 5 million. I don't know if that's the federal state. I think the federal state might be even 8 or something like that. But you know, let's let's go with 5 million. You've got 5 million people and you've got 5 new infections a day. Right, let's look at the next 14, oh god, now I have to get, I'm 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 bad with calculating stuff, but yeah, it's uh, it's five new infections a day, um, times seven days. That's thirty-five new infections a week. So it's seventy in in 
in 14 days. So in 14 days, let's say there are 100 infections out of 5 million people. Like how how small is the chance that this app even works? right? And then now people are saying, yeah, but the app's not for now. It's for the second wave. I mean, we talked about that. I don't think a second wave is coming, but let's assume for a moment it is. Um, yeah, that's what the app is for. But why didn't you test it two more weeks if it was for the second wave? The second wave is not coming in the next two weeks, right? It's not, I mean, they were like, oh, we need it for the summer holidays. Why? Why? I mean, the thing is, the app doesn't even work outside of, like, with other, um, I mean, it works. So if you are, so you have to be German, by the way, to install this app. Like, you have to be verified in the Play Store or whatever, iOS, uh, to be in Germany to install it, um, to be in the German part of the store or whatever. Um, so if I'm outside of Germany with this app, it of course, it works with, other countries who have apps like Italy, who use the Apple Google ID, right? It will, because they're the same IDs, like the API is interoperable, it will record those people's IDs. Um, so it works with a lot of countries bordering Germany. Um, doesn't work with France because they have their centralized system. They didn't want the Apple Google um, API. But, you know, it just records that. It There's no way to tell... So if I record the ID of, like, let's say, an Italian person with the Italian app, there's no way for the Italian servers to tell my app that this person was infected if it was. Um, this kind of operability is possible, and the developers of the German app have, by definition, when I need to move the microphone again, I'm still optimizing this, and have already built in, like, you know, they, they prepared their servers to do this, but at the moment you can't. So the whole holiday argument, you know, if I'm not make if I'm not on holiday in Germany, you know, if I go somewhere else, um, and there's not only German people there, then you know, why do I need it on holiday? Like this whole argument is idiotic. The um the German health ministry and our uh, great health minister, uh, Jens Spahn, the idiot, uh they just wanted to launch this now. And it's amazing to me that, like, the press, you know, talking about the press who don't know anything about technology, I mean, I know this because I was just on television again and I had to just explain everything to everybody. <laughs> um, they are like, oh, the app's finally there. They're like, oh, this took so long. You're talking about the smartphone app that is supposed to write, they want 80% of all germs. We're 80 million people, right? They want tens of millions of people to install this app. On two operate two completely different operating systems, one of which has a lot of different hardware combinations, you know, Bluetooth chips, all this kind of shit. They want an app like that developed open source in five weeks is astonishing, and it's a good app. It's like it's good, it's well written. If I mean, as I said so before, we look at source code, it's well written, but that is a huge achievement. Like, the members in the press are like, why did this took so long? You have no fucking clue how software development works. This isn't like me writing a fucking Drupal, uh, whipping up a Drupal site, right? This And this stuff needs to be tested. Normally, you would have written the app, and let's say it was finished yesterday, right? It was finished on Tuesday. Then you'd code freeze it, and then you test the code for at least a week or something, you know? That's what every Linux distribution does. Right, you freeze the code. They didn't do that, um, and people just they don't just don't understand how hard this is. Like this is not a a um, this is not just a trivial thing to do. 
Also, the other thing is like the big scandal that everybody, oh, you need to comment on this. Like when they ask you for TV or radio, it's like, oh my God, it costs 20 million. They give SAP and Telecom 20 million. 20 million is fucking nothing for SAP. Like SAP software is hugely expensive. To get like an SAP consultant out, if you have software problems, is hugely expensive. This is not, 20, who gives a fuck about 20 million? You know how, how we fucking screwed our economy with this whole lockdown shit? Like 20 million is nothing. We're talking billions and billions of euros that will be spent over the next like decades to like fix all of this shit. And what completely lets let rent incoming, if you haven't noticed, what completely fucks me off is not that it costs 20 millions. People are just concentrating on that. No, what you have to concentrate on is what they're doing here, what Spahn is doing, what the government is doing, what the uh, health ministry is doing. They, they've done this app, they launched this app, and now there's fine. We've solved the problem, right? This is how it works. This is, everything's fine now. The app is stable, secure, everybody installed, we're good. That's what they're doing. Because what they don't want to do is look at how our healthcare system, I mean, we had a, in Germany, everybody around the world says Germany dealt with this really well, with this system, with this problem, you know, with the pandemic. Um, We did that because we have a good healthcare system. We have a social healthcare system. I mean, I know a lot of doctors. And even though the system is quite good, all these doctors, all these care workers are massively overworked. And Jens Spahn, the fucking idiot, in February said, we need to close hospitals and fire doctors and fire healthcare people. We need to be courageous about that. You, you, you fucking idiot, we need to hire more. Like, I mean, we dealt with this well, but, you know, our healthcare system, we were, you know, we did a lockdown because we were afraid the healthcare system would collapse. What's the solution to that? If you don't want to have a lockdown the next time, if you don't want to fucking ruin the economy, the solution to that is make the healthcare system be able to cope with pandemics. Because we know that experts were saying for decades that this was going to happen. We know this was going to happen. Okay, we fucked up. We didn't know, you know, we didn't prepare. Now we got caught flat-footed people died now the solution is develop a plan so this doesn't happen and they need to do that they need to make their they need to pay doctors better we need more doctors they need to work less they need to be paid better they need to be equipped better we need a lot more care workers we need to equip hospitals better we dealt with this quite well but we can do better And that will cost billions of euros. We're not talking 20 million. We're talking 20 billion. We Maybe we're talking 200 billion euros to fix this system. And they don't want to do that. Spahn doesn't want to do that. So they go, let's, we have an app now. It's great. Everything's solved. Right? It's the best app ever. It's not, it was not the first app, but it's the best app. How would you fucking know? You know nothing about software development. All the people talking to you know nothing about software development. Anyway, rant over. So that's that's what's fucking me up about this whole story. So basically, they should have just tested it more. And I'm down with this um, TÜV guy. By the way, they didn't, you know, in the in the press release in the DPA, they, you know, nobody addressed that. Nobody addressed basically the main point I thought I'd raised that most of the readers didn't get. I guess I guess that's my fault. I guess I need to learn to write stories more for like people that are not techie or something. Um, but that's the point. That This is the point. Why didn't you test this longer? You could have tested this longer. And they didn't address that at all. The government said, we want this app, we give you money, and we want it out at that day. And everybody just rolled over, 
right? Everybody, they, they ask they ask you to jump, you ask how high, high to jump. No, that's not how it works. You should have said, if you want a secure app, um, we we need more time. And then, of course, yeah, the government is, in in the end, they're, they're the one who decide. But, you know, I, I think it's courageous. People were actually attacking this guy from TÜV that he talked to me and said, said stuff about this. I think it was a courageous move. I think it, he did a very important thing. And with with all all respect, you know, with all humble brag here, I think I did I did a very important thing. I think this is a story that needed to be told. You know, and people are basically kind of attacking me for it. But anyway, I don't want to whinge. Like I don't care. You know, this is I, don't take away from this. Your Fab is Fab did something, and now Fab's mad. I'm I'm mad at the general the society and how these things are decided and judged. I don't care that people are attacking me for a story. I mean, that's part of my job. I don't care. Um, but yeah, that you know, that's that's how it was tested, and that are were the criticisms we have. Oh, so I don't know if you can hear this, but there's a small plane flying over it, which I can't see because actually. Um, I've got this uh, uh, camo tent erected in front of the bus, so I have a bit of shade. It's probably looking great from up up there. It's like a van with a camo tent next to it. It's uh, this uh, battlefield control established. Um, yeah. So um, another thing I did is was um, no the other the other story I did after, which was everybody seems to love and lots of people have read. Let me just see. Uh, there's like hundreds of comments. There's almost yes, almost a thousand comments now on this uh, on Heise Online. So I did. A, I, I've been working on this for two weeks. I basically collected all the questions people could have um, from you know. I asked everybody. I asked like my uh, people I know, you know, like parents or whatever, like normal people in my bubble. I asked techie people like, what questions do you want answered? And um, I thought I'd just go. I'll, I'll put if you're German, I put a link to the whole article. It's huge. It's like over 22,000 uh, characters. Um, put that in the show notes. Oh, by the way, uh, privatecitizen.press. I forgot to men- mention that at the top of the show again. So all the show notes are... Um, oops. Whoa. Um, for this show, probably not that much because I'm basing this on what's in my head and stuff like that. But I put, I put, I'll put links in the stories I wrote for Heiser if you want to read those. Um if you speak German, if you don't, sorry, that's not an English version. I know I would do one if they paid me for it. But um, what you can actually do if you go to deepl.com, um, this is a very good, much better than German, uh, than German, than uh, Google Translate, uh, DeepL Translate, deepl.com. They do some AI shit, and it's it's really it's really good. Like you can, it's really good to translate like German into English you get actually you get usable text out of it it might in some places it might not be you know nice to read you know my uh, my writing style probably won't come through or whatever but you, you'll get the gist you, you'll understand what I'm writing about anyway so with the with the questions I mean we talked pretty much about how the app works um, if you how the API works how the app you know how the source code was written how the how the open source project uh, was managed how the server uh was was done. I mean, if you go to private citizen not press, um, we talked all about that. I mean, there's tags in the show notes for this episode, and you know, for example, if you use the contact tracing one, um, you get all the episodes I ever did about anything with contact tracing. You'll find all of that stuff in there. Um, now, interestingly, um, people were always like, this is also something TÜV uh, tested. It's like, what kind of data does it save? 
and the a- actual app so the the, the f- you know the kind of the front end i mean this this we talked about it how the apple google api works right it doesn't really it doesn't want your name there's really no personal and identifiable information of course you have to trust google or apple because they know who you are anyway uh, but the app itself uh, doesn't save any of that. The only thing it does basically is if you um, if you get a test and you scan like a QR code or you put a ten number in, it will um, it will check that you got a valid test and then it will you know generate those those uh, infection keys uh, yeah, and and it will obviously save them and catch them and upload them to the server. But only if you, you know, this is voluntary. Only if you do that, you don't have to put in um, test results. So that's pretty much the only thing. It doesn't save any uh, location data. There's no, there's no advertising in there. There's no tracking servers. Uh, it doesn't really talk to any servers. The only thing it does, it does does like some un- onboarding experience, I guess as they call it these days. And then, of course, it downloads. If you activate the tracking or the tracing, um, it will download in regular intervals. It'll check the server and see if, like, you know, download any um, of these infection keys, right? So it can compare that those to the IDs that, you know, the Apple Google API is saved in the background on the phone. And it will can compare those and see if you've actually been... Um, close to somebody who's infected and then of course the only other th- well the other thing it does is if that happens um, it calculates a from all these exposures right it, it calculates a risk factor and it does that by um, with several factors I mean the main factor is your uh, the um, the strength of the Bluetooth signal of course that your phone received from the other phone um, and then the length of, of ex- like the length of, of contact you had and then there's like this magic kind of switch. Like there's this one factor which the health in like the health institute. So in in the German case, the Robert Koch Institute, the RKI, they can kind of adjust that. It basically it's a value that um, will um, like another value that will kind of adjust how likely you are to infect somebody i mean it's also like how long have you had the disease like in what state you are but they have like this factor they can can change I, that's another reason you know i've asked pretty much anybody under the sun and so far nobody has been able to tell me i mean i know how the factor works you can look it up in the apple google api right it's just a number but nobody has told me based on what they will adjust that number i know in general that you know that's based on how infectious the RKI thinks the virus is, like how it spreads, and that is based on obviously the numbers. Since this is a, as we talked about in previous episodes, this is in Germany, um, this is an infectious disease that has to be reported. You know, if you get tested, the positive test result, your name, your look, your your uh, your address. Um, your contact data and and people you report you've been in contact with all get transmitted um, to the health local health authority and also the RKI. So they you know they get all the data. So they can kind of check, can kind of calculate how contagious this virus is, and this is how they kind of adjust that. Um, I'll guess they kind of do that on the fly. I mean they have to kind of watch how many. Um, 
warnings this app generates, right? The, the, the question is, how many false positives will this give? I mean, if the, the app tells you that you've been in contact with somebody who's been infected, of course, we talked about this before, doesn't mean you're infected. Um, it means you were in contact with the person. There might be glass have been between you. You don't know. The, 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 the app doesn't know. You know, the Bluetooth tracking doesn't doesn't reflect that so so i guess that's that is what they will kind of adjust on the server um obviously i mean a question i had to clear up is if the app protects you i mean i don't think we need to talk about this on the podcast we talked about this for a long time but you know there are still a lot of people out there who think we need the app to protect ourselves uh, instead of you know protecting society as a whole um what is interesting, what many techie people ask, can I get information out of this? Like, can I can I see how many contacts there were, how many people I've, my app, like how many other apps my app has talked to, right? That even if they were not infected and all this data you can't see. Um, I mean, the app doesn't even interface with that. That is all just the Apple Google API. Um, the app just goes if if you were infected or if you get information that somebody else been infected you know, well if you've been infected it uploads that to the service and if you get information you know let's say once a day it downloads all the data of all the pe- all the IDs that have been proven to be uh, infected the only thing it does is like it queries the the API gets all the all the contacts you saved and you locally for the last 14 days and compares them right and then that's that's all it does. Um, so you can't get any raw data out of this, not easily. Um, and the app certainly can't. I mean, you'd have to access whatever, like through the Apple Google API. Um, of course, in Germany here, installing this app is completely uh, voluntary. Now, um, we talked about this before as well. This is one big criticism I have is that the German government did not, they, they kept saying it's voluntary. They say that's very important that it's voluntary. Um, but they, they did not pass a law that explains what it being voluntary means. So the question being, I mean, the government can say it's voluntary. Now, if my local supermarket, let's say I live on the in the countryside, like these people here that I'm visiting, there's fuck all around. There's maybe one supermarket in my range or I live in the city and I, own, I don't have a car, right? So it's only feasible for me to go to one supermarket if they say, uh, you can only get in here if you have this app installed and you have to show them the app. Of course, you can do a screenshot. I know yeah, you can hack it. But I'm talking on a general um, policy level here, right? Um, so currently, that would be legal for them to do, I think, unless there's another decision because it's like their, their, build, like their building, right? It's not public space. They can do whatever they want, right? They can kick you out. They don't need a reason. Um, you can't say they're discriminating against you because they're a business. You can just go somewhere else, even if you maybe you can't. Um, but that's a problem, right? I would have loved if the government would have said, okay, we're passing a law, this app's voluntary, and they just wrote stuff in there, like, you know, like it says in the uh, GDPR, where it says voluntary means nobody can put any pressure on somebody to do this, right? If, if somebody says you can only enter my supermarket if you install this app, that is pressure on me. And that, that means de facto it's not voluntary. It might not be voluntary. I, I might not have a choice. I might have to go shopping and I might have to install the app. Another question is, can your employer do that? You know, can they say you can only come to work if you have this app installed? 
Um, this is all questions that have not been answered. Another question that people often ask was like, can you turn the tracing off? And yes, you can do that. You can At any time, you can turn it off. But I mean, what would be the point, right? If you install this, uh, you ins you decide you want this app and then you just run it. If you if you don't run it, I mean, there's no there's no point. Also, that's the thing. The issue I have with all the virtue signalers who is like, oh, yeah, I installed the app. Like, I'm wondering how many of these people actually thought through what this means, right? You're not only installing the app. At the moment where you install the app, or better, before that, you have to decide what you're going to do if the app wants you. Right, that is the, one of the big issues with the app. Yes, it's voluntary, but you know, will it will it even work? Like, um, if the app says you might you might you might have a heightened risk, and it basically asks you may you might want to stay at home, right? Um, there is no, um, sorry, just moving the microphone again. There is that you you're not you're not required to stay home. I mean. What, what people don't understand is even if the app says you have a high risk that you've actually been infected, there's no, there's no guarantee that you get a test, right? In Germany, currently, we're only testing people. I mean, you have to call your doctor and basically you have to have symptoms. So if you don't develop symptoms, you're not, you're not getting a test. You might still be infected. You might be asymptomatic. We don't know. So that's another question. What what happens? Like, are you willing to quarantine yourself for 14 days, right? If you're a taxi driver and you install this app, um, are you willing to risk losing 14 days of, or like, I don't know, what it would be, like 12 days or whatever, or, or, or 10 days of income um, based on this app saying you might be infected? And we don't know if this app even works, right? This is my biggest issue with it that I'm not going even into because I've talked about this a lot of time. There's absolutely no scientific. Uh, I mean, this is a big, eye, a big, big experiment. It might might work, but it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's uh, just we're just we're just guessing here, right? So I don't know. Will you actually, if it, this goes into your livelihood, will these people actually quarantine themselves? Um, I think if you want to install this app, I feel like you can. I'm not gonna answer the question for people. This is the last thing in my FAQ I wrote where I was like. I will not answer the question and I had to talk to tell this to all the television people, all the radio people, like sh first question they ask you is, shall people install this? And I'm like, I will not answer that question for you. That That is not a thing that I think is ethical. Like, you know, you're asking an expert to decide that's bullshit. My job is to give you as much information as possible and for you to decide that. Um, I can tell you that I don't think there's any privacy issues with this. Um, I think that is okay. I, I don't know about IT security. I mean, the fact that you have Bluetooth on all the time is definitely a vulnerability. But, you know, if you use, for example, let's say you use Bluetooth headphones all the time anyway. If you, if you have Bluetooth on on your phone, which a lot of people, a lot of us have, because it's actually quite hard to turn it off in, in modern Android, modern iOS. Um, I mean, it uses it for location in, in a lot of places, for all kinds of stuff. Um, if you have that on all the time, there's no, I don't think there's much bigger security risk with this app. I don't think there's a privacy issue. I mean, yes, you can track people by Bluetooth, right? Just doesn't even, you don't even look at the API. It basically just the fact that this um, app forces you, in air quotes, to have Bluetooth on all the time means you, you know, you have Bluetooth on all the time, which means your phone is emitting signals, which means you can be tracked. 
um, you know, can they personally identify you? I don't know. You know, people are worried about, you know, what, what, what happens if people put lots of Bluetooth beacons or just like Bluetooth devices that read Bluetooth traffic into stores. Yes, they can probably see who you are and they can probably track you through the store even if the Bluetooth ID changes. But, you know, if you're worried about that, if somebody, if, if an owner of a store wants to track you in the store and maybe identify you, they can do that much easier. They have cameras, Right, the easiest way if they have cameras at the catch catch registers, it's all digital systems. They can just buy a system which you can buy off the shelf probably. You just plug in and it will start recognize do facial recognition. It's a different question if that would be legal in Germany. I'm not talking about that. You know, if you're worried about that, there's easier ways to track you. And you know, if you get Bluetooth on your phone, that is already you already have that risk. So I, I don't I don't feel like I think if you want to install that app, um, I wouldn't worry about security or privacy too much. The question is, do you want to install the app? Like, I can talk to you now because we're on a podcast and I'm not, like, on on national TV, right? So if you ask me, would I install this app? No, I haven't installed this app. And the simple reason is the following. Um, there's lots of, like, small airplane traffic here. Um, I didn't expect that. Um, it, you know, no, because I'm a... I'm somebody who adheres by science, right? I, I like as as best as I can, uh, if I have to decide something, decide it on the basis of scientific information. And if you look at this, we don't know if this app works. So there's, I don't, you know, it might work. But like based on the fact that we don't know if it works, based on the fact that the infections in Germany are going down, based on the fact that I don't see any indication that we will get a second wave, uh, based on the fact that there is a light, lightly increased risk of, of attack via Bluetooth and tracking, and based on the fact that this app doesn't protect me, and it in theory protects other people, which is a laudable goal, but you know, if I had, if I had, if we had dependable data that said we are we are pretty sure this works, this approach. You know, this Bluetooth measuring to, to map, like, to virus propagation. If we had data that that works, yes, um, then we can talk. You know, then we can see, yes, okay, maybe maybe trying to save, you know, the public, or maybe that would be worth it. I could understand that. But basic, based on this, yeah, I'm not going to install this app. Um, I think it's probably good that people are doing it. Because I mean, we need to get that scientific data. So having some, uh, if you want to be bad, if you want to be mean about it, some guinea pigs that are running the test for us. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I think that's good. Uh, I'm not gonna. I think a lot of people are just doing it, especially all the politicians are just doing it to virtue signal. I think that's deplorable. But yeah. Um, right. Well, I'm just looking at what else we could. I could talk about. Um, yeah, and another. I mean, there's basic questions like, can you do use your Bluetooth accessories? Yes, because this just uses, you know, operating system level Bluetooth, right? So you can have your Bluetooth headphones. How much? I mean, people are asking how much battery it uses. Can't really know because you can't really test it. Oh, I found it hilarious at the morning, um, where uh, this came out. A German newspaper, FAZ Frankfurt Allgemeine Zeitung, huge German. 
a national newspaper published a test, a, a, a practical test of the app where they're like, we tested this and it's secure and stable. I'm like, how would you know it's secure? You read the DPA press release, right? You have no, you have no people in your whole organization who could even like judge this for being secure. Um, how did you test it in practice? Like, okay, you might have gotten the app like a few days earlier. Sure, I could, you know, I, I actually did install an earlier version or I tried to, but you know, on an old Android, it didn't go well. Anyway, you could have done that, right? But are you, how would you test it? There's nobody else running the app, right? And as long as nobody's nobody's actually infected and uploads that, you can't even test like the important part. It's complete utter bullshit. And this is like a huge German newspaper and they write this and they tweet about it and they're, they're, they're proud about this bullshit they're publishing. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, another issue we talked about, um, you can't install this, obviously, if you don't have the play services because currently that is included. Um, I mean, the, the, the API is included on Google's site in the play services. Um, yeah, um, that that is pretty much it. Um, so I don't, I will not tell you if you should install this or not. I think you should decide for yourself. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I don't, I won't judge you. I don't really feel, feel this way or the other. I think this is a personal opinion, right? I'm not judging if somebody has some other app installed on their phone, right? Why would I? Um, I think this whole thing, there's peer pressure being built, which I don't like. I think people should re resist this, but I find deplorable this virtue saying, hey, look, I got the app installed, which basically you're saying, hey, I'm a good human being please recognize that I'm better than the people who don't have the app installed, which is utter bullcrap. I mean, to me, that just means like you're gullible because obviously you haven't understood. You're basically proud of being a guinea pig. You know, I install everything. Like, you know, I, and I you know, somebody says install this app and I'm like, well, there's no really good facts about why I should, but I still do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, do it right do it but don't tell anybody like why would you tell people i mean i don't care who who i mean who even cares i'm i'm very skeptical that we'll get enough saturation that this will even work but we'll see i mean this is a nice uh, experiment i'll definitely i mean i've talked so much about this on the show i'll definitely keep you updated on it i think um i'm going to you know if we're looking into the 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 next few episodes of the podcast i think uh, i have one other topic um, that I might record a show about that is connected to coronavirus, uh, some interesting aspects that I still want to talk about. And then basically for now, it's it. I mean, you know, they're relaxing all the restrictions. We've talked about all of this. We talked about the civil liberties. We talked about the apps. There's, I don't think there's anything else currently to talk about and then I'll, I'll just uh, pivot to other topics of course i keep my eye on the subject right I'm, i mean the reason why i do this podcast in the way i do is so i can be flexible like sometimes i decide on the day what i want to talk about i do some prep and you know as you can see i give you all the show notes private citizen.press but you know i try to be agile with the show and sometimes talk about political stuff as well that's important um yeah so we talked about that and um we did. We, we I think we, we we've covered it all. Of course, uh, I always say this: if you have questions, I, I'd love to answer any kind of questions and just have a, or have a discussion. If you want to send me a discussion starter, uh, maybe it's even that interesting that I do a whole show on it. I'll I'll love it. I love it when people um, give me feedback. Were the birds in the background too annoying? <laughs> um, actually, it's not that windy here today. 
could have actually done this outside of the bus. I think yesterday it was a bit windy. It was like blowing across the microphone. Uh, I don't really have like a dead cat. I can, you know, these things, the fluffy things you can put over it. And because I usually I'm a nerd. I usually don't do this outside. You should have pictured. I'll put some some images on the show notes and um, photos in the show notes how these thing. How it looked. I can't take a picture of myself right now, but it would be interesting. I'm not wearing a shirt. <laughs> Actually, I had the radio, the radio station I was at earlier. They did like an online thing and they did like a, you know, do everything over video now or video call. And I actually had to put a shirt on. That was a bit annoying. But now podcasting, I can do without a shirt. Um, so let's let's go into the feedback. Let's talk about that. It's a bit of a shorter show today, but I think, you know, I just wanted to wrap this up. I thought it's important to talk about the launch of the app, you know, put a cap on the whole, on my whole coverage of it. And, you know, maybe, maybe I hope you found a bit of a, a look behind the scenes of... Uh, of how this works and how you write stories about this interesting and yes oh i didn't finish the thing if you want to send me questions suggestions discussion starters obviously privatism.press there's a contact link on the very bottom of the page or you can also go to fab.industries slash contact that's basically where it goes and i have you know you can email me you can send me there's an encrypted um message thing there that uses uh, a whistleblower platform that Tutor Nota, which is like a privacy-oriented uh, email service from Hanover, um, they designed and they uh, give to journalists for free. So I, I, I have a, an account there. So you can also anonymously send me stuff. You can also use that, by the way, if you want to send me encrypted messages because this is a privacy podcast after all. I mean, there's nothing... Put, I mean, it's it's anonymous, right? But you can just sign it in the email if you want your name attached to it or something. You can do that. And speaking of that, let's talk a bit about some feedback I've received. So I had a, we have this um, patron-only Discord server, which is like a little bit uh, of a incentive to become a patron subscriber. And uh, Butter Beans, who've been who's been supporting uh, producers of the show, has been supporting it for a long time. Uh, we were discussing uh, with another listener. I was talking about taxes and uh, how I would actually think I, I wouldn't want to live there full time, but I'd, I'd, I'd love to live a while in Texas. Uh, it's just a, probably a bit hard for my wife to get a job there, um, with the industry she's on, but you know, I could just work on anywhere. So I'd love, I'd, I'd love to visit Texas at some point. It sounds like a fascinating place. And butter being commented, uh, wait, let me just I think this, this microphone stand is, is very old. I bought this in the beginning of uh, Linux Outlaws and it's drooping. <laughs> so I have to adjust it. Sorry about that. Uh, Butterbean says, uh, Fab, you must know that if you live in Texas, you must talk about Texas nonstop and tell anyone that doesn't live in Texas that Texas is the best. Just giving the Texans a hard time. I live in Tennessee and have a few Texas friends who love to talk about it. Yeah, it seems to be Texas and California, right? They always seem to be about how great it is. Although California's, I think, changing lots of Californians that don't like it that much anymore <laughs> with recent developments. Um, and then there's like the New Yorkers who know that New York is shit, but you have to kind of live there. <laughs> that seems to be my my um, my impression of things from from my hillbilly uh, situation here in the border regions of Germany. <laughs> Um, I also had an email from Martin, who sent me, once again, encrypted email. Um, we were talking about um, 
in a recent episode he sent me an email about um, the BBC and stuff and as uh, you know I commented a bit and talked about some inside baseball journalism stuff and Martin says thanks for the recent response to my email on the show I get that you have an informed perspective as a journalist who has lived in the UK well I'll just try right I, I, I'll, I'll be wrong on things as well just trying to give you another perspective however as a German you do have another angle on things which I find interesting which is great see this is what I like this is why I like to do podcasts I like to have an international audience this is why I do it in, in English not in German well you know originally I wanted to um, you know practice my English uh, which is which is a bonus but you know these days I like to do I mean I'd probably have more listens for the show if I did it in German um, for some in some ways, it would be easier to promote, especially locally. But I like I like to have that international audience, right? We have listeners on this show from the most diverse countries. There's Texans, there's Canadians, there's British people, you know, there's French people. Um, there are people who, you know, we have a listener who uh, originally came from Syria. Um, Russians write in. I mean, this is great. I love this stuff. I love this perspective thing. And this is why I like when people write in, because... I've learned back when I lived in Australia for a while that just living somewhere else gives you a very different perspective on the world. It also, when you come back, it gives you a different perspective on your own country. And I think it's important. You know, it's important that people in the UK listen to people from other countries who've lived there for a while. Anyway, not to derail this... Um, you have another angle on things, which I find interesting. I appreciate the general lack of tinfoil hatry as well, by the way. I give my best. <laughs> I've never been a tinfoil hat guy, I think. Um, been driven mad arguing with a couple of friends who went down the sovereign citizen rabbit hole recently. They are far beyond reason. It's just depressing. This is actually something I wanted to comment on quickly. I think this is a general problem we are having right now. People are blaming the internet for it. I don't know how much it is only the internet or just the general um, political climate we're living in, which is, of course, also influenced by the internet and social media and stuff like that. But we seem to have this thing where it's all about teams. You're on the one team or the other team, right? You're on the corona team or you're in the privacy team. And I think that's wrong. I mean, that's, once again, if you haven't listened to the episode uh, with Jürgen Goethe, I know I say this and I, I will have to look up what episode that was uh, let me see so at the bottom of the if you go to private citizen press there's an all podcast episodes thing by the way so you can look at all the episodes and also all in the RSS feed uh, which I always had requests for for previous podcasts so I'm doing that now um, it was um, uh, which episode? Dealing with hyper objects. So that was episode 16. Um, listen to that. It's well worth not only for the topic of discussion, but um, I mean, that's one of the things we talk about it about in general. I mean, this is all about like teams, you know, you, and what team are you on? Maybe you're not on any team. I think if you're reasonable, if you're a person who, who thinks about issues, you, you, you're never fully on one team. Because these arguments get boiled down into like these these two opposing very stylized uh, positions and like every pretty much anybody will be in between them right in the US currently it's either you're a Republican and you're a bad person and you support Trump and you're probably a racist and a right wing nut job and a gun nut or you're Democrat and then you're a good person and you would like the world to be better right this is not 
you can be against Trump and still think that you know owning guns is important or whatever you know any any anything you might, you can be a Democrat and say I don't want Joe Biden to be president. Um, and that's that's what's happening. And that that is I mean the same thing with the sovereign citizen thing. I think that is a reaction to what is happening. It is a reaction to the um, to the measures that our governments instituted you know they did restrict our freedoms pretty much everybody no matter where you're listening to this from um your government probably did some stuff in the wake of this pandemic to restrict your freedoms and people are just driven to extremes these days and i think that is wrong i mean it's it's like I had like all these discussions with people who said, well, we didn't have a lockdown in Germany. It wasn't have, no, of course not. Like, of course they didn't post police in front of my door or my street and I wasn't allowed to go out. But the government restricted my personal freedoms as I feel almost as severely as they could within the current laws and what they kind of were afraid of doing, right? They did, they, they did the best they could. And I, yes, I call that a lockdown, right? I had, they, I live in a, in a small city, federal state, and there's two federal states around there. And I couldn't go into either of these. Well, I could go and I did go, but you know, there was police station there and they would, they would randomly ask people, you know, I reported on this. And of course, yes, you could still go out and I have a press badge and I can still drive there and other people can say, you know, but what people call the lockdown is not, you know, it's not the actual, oh, you, if you go out, you're shot. But, you know, it's it's all shades of gray and there's things happened and they were unprecedented in in the history of, of our federal republic. And... I think that's an argument worth having. And these people who are just want to shut the argument down basically by saying there was no lockdown, you know, it's all these, these straw man arguments and these arguments that are designed to put the other put the other guy in, into the crazy camp, right? If you're if you're if you're if you, if something happens, the coronavirus spreads and the government does a reaction, right? The government passes some regulation, whatever, and you say um, some of this regulation, I'm opposed to this. I don't think this is a good idea. Then you get put into the um, conspiracy theory, Trump-loving, bad person camp. And I had serious discussions with people who I know are reasonable people, who I've worked with in the past, who just like put you in this camp. You're like, you worked with me for six years. You know me. You know I'm not a bad person. I have very different opinions of you, but, you know, we work together. You know I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not a monster, right? Why are you trying to put me in that camp? Like, I don't, I don't get that. And this is the same thing, right? And people put themselves into these camps and they go down these rabbit holes and I don't think it's their fault. I think it's the fault of, of how we are dealing with each other in society. Right. Try to see when you're arguing with people. Try to see where they're coming from. Try to see their nuances. Maybe they're wrong about things, but try to understand why, why they are like that. Maybe they're being pushed into that corner by people. Um. It's it's all gray. It's like some people might be, might 
might think there's some truth to some conspiracy theory, but it's not like, and you know, what's the conspiracy theory, right? Um, yes, I personally do not believe that Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. If you look at that, if you look at all the data we have about that, it seems far-fetched to think he killed himself. He might have killed himself, but I, you know, if I had to make a call, I would say no, probably not. Probably, probably somebody silenced him because this stuff happens, and we have historic, you know, in thirty years it might actually come out, and then we're like, oh wow, yeah, maybe the. And the thing is, then you get called a conspiracy theorist by some people, and they're like, basically, oh yeah, you think the Earth is flat? No, I don't. Like, what the fuck? Just because I think this happened. That way, I I don't that that doesn't mean I don't think you know, Buzz Aldrin walked on the moon, right? I mean, it's like you get pushed into these corners. I mean, I don't understand why. I don't understand why people are doing this. I think because it's easier to actually than to actually deal with the arguments. Anyway, um, I don't want to complain too much. I, what I want to say is, please, I want to discuss these things with you. Right, and I, I'm I'm trying to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And if I don't, you know, if you write in and I'm like, I don't deal with your argument as you should, I, I should just give me feedback on that as well. And also, you know, if you just don't want me to discuss anything on the show, if you just want to say, hey, Fab, I w- always want, you know, I wanted to tell you this. I don't think you're right on this topic. Um, please do that as well. I mean, you just just put in there, you know, please don't quote this on the show. Please don't talk about this on the show. I will. I mean, I'm that's I'm a journalist. That's how my job works. A huge part of my job is people telling me things that I can't write about. Uh, case in point, the uh, Corona Corona app. Like this, I know lots. Of, I knew lots of things, or I know lots of things that I cannot talk about. Um, but that's important. That informs in the background. That informs my knowledge of the situation. So it's also hugely valuable. And the point is, as a journalist, you have to respect that. Like, you don't go and break that trust. You don't go and break your source's trust. Um, there are very, very few cases, right? If you, if you're basically confronted with, let's say, Watergate, right, and you'd have to burn a source for that, you'd be like, yeah, maybe it's better for the whole of society. But that is like the huge excuse and like a huge outlier. And most journalists will never read, reach that point in their career. Normally, you, you know, the for for me is always the two guiding principles about doing this stuff. One is you have to always remember you have an ego and whatever, you have to take that all into account, but you have to remember you're doing this for the public. You're doing your goal with this is to give the public as much information and as factual information as you can. And the second goal is, you know, respect the the sanctity of your sources. Protect your sources. Protect them from the government. Protect them from the police. Protect them from other people. Um, and if they tell you something and they say, "Don't publish this or don't talk about this on your podcast," respect that. That's very important. Anyway, with that, we reach the end of the show. I hope you liked this. I hope you uh, like the the new setting. Um, I mean, this is just. Uh, I won't do this all the time. I'll Probably next episode I'll be back in the studio. I don't know. Maybe I'll record an episode here tomorrow. I don't know yet. I'm I'm looking at the pool and I might be just spending a day in the pool. I mean, I've, I've, God knows 
with all this corona sh app shit I did the last few weeks, all the stuff, all the fights I had to battle with PR and with colleagues and all this shit, <laughs> I do need a bit of a break. But anyway, um, thanks for making the show possible. Um, I like to call my listeners, not only listeners, but also producers, because they write in, um, they provide me with, with information, and they also, you know, send me money to keep the show on the road, because, you know, I, I could, instead of doing this, I could be, let's be fair, if I wasn't doing this, I was lying in the pool over there, but, you know, uh, <laughs> um, generally, you know, I could write stuff and get paid for it, and I love doing this, but also, if I do this and I can, can derive some value from it, then it helps me justify keep doing it. So um, anybody who has become a patron on Patreon and anybody who sends money via PayPal's, PayPal's UG appreciate it. You're a producer of the show because I produce this under the value for value model um, with which Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak on uh, the No Agenda podcast came up with. And I think that is the way to produce ethical journalism in podcast form or generally I would prefer to do all my journalism like this I think reader supported stuff is the way forward I don't think advertisers and the influence they exert on journalism is a good thing so I'm trying to do it this, this way and if you help out um, I can only thank you and it's great so please toss a coin to your podcaster go to privatecitizen.press in the show notes it tells you how to do this and with that I would like to thank everybody um, who's done that and also who's helped out. So Raul Cabezali, who uh, made the uh, the theme song called Acoustic Roots. Um, I'll mention him every time, even though I basically bought a license for that song, but, you know, that's fair. So I want to give the man some credit. I would like to thank Mark, whose servers um, bring you this show in, in a very stable manner and who is a great cloud hoster from the UK, bindmark.co.uk, who's uh, providing me with this service for years uh, even before I started this podcast and you know without them I couldn't bring you this show in a in the manner that you get it you know very fast downloads even though the upload to the server for me today will take ages but that's not their fault <laughs> that's the fucking uh, internet connection although they're getting fiber so they're you know three houses down the road which here is about a kilometer or something uh they're already putting the fiber in. They already have the the pipes uh, for this house, but uh, they still need to put the actual fiber in. They're working on that. So maybe maybe next year when I'm doing the show from here, uh, from the farm, uh, we'll actually have fiber. Could even live stream it, probably. Anyway, thanks to Mark, And I would, at the end of the show, as always, I'd like to thank everybody who sent me money via Patreon, who's been a subscriber to send money via uh, PayPal which you can do if you send money to producers at fab.industries producers at fab.industries thanks to all of you and those people who kept the show keep the show rolling are ah, Niall Donegan Michael Mullen Jensen Jonathan M. Heavy Georges Walther Dave Rashid Alemani Butterbeans Kai Sears Mark Holland Steve Hose Shelby Kruver Vlad Fadi Mansour Matt Jalleman, Joe Pauzer, Jackie Plage, 1I11G, IKN, Philip Klostermann, Dave Amrish, Dirk Didi, David Potter, Vitalta Sadowskis, Ricky M, Drive Zero, Mika, Jonathan Edwards, Barry Williams, Martin, Sylvia Vulcan, SJ, and John, John Chandler. Thanks to all of you, um, and I'll see you for the next episode. Until then, you know, you, you, you decide if you want to install this app or... Uh, 
she would rather aim to misbehave. See you soon. I'm jumping in the pool now. <laughs>